there, and welcome to Wilmington Writes, a WCTV podcast for Wilmington writers. On each episode, we feature a Wilmington writer who will read their work or an excerpt thereof and tell us a little bit about the inspiration behind the selection they share. Let's listen in and see who's in the guest writer's chair today. Oh, we were just bopping our heads to that little snappy intro, which I love. <laughs> Guest number five is Bob Hamill. Hello, Mr. Hamill. Hello, Miss Lisa. We've met before several, yes, several, several times. times. Yes. Um, you've been involved with WCTV in many capacities, but let's talk about uh, your illustrious call to fame right now. You are? Uh, well, I was a tech writer, marketing writer for many years. Uh, my professional career started that way as a writer, um, and I've been doing it... Um, I said, did it for 20 years. I write, I also write for fun for myself, and that's right. what I do now. You know, I never knew that about you. I mean, you are, you've been involved with WCTV as uh, someone who's volunteered for us. Now you're on our board of directors, mm-hmm. right? Uh, what's your capacity for the board of directors? Um, I like it. It's fun. Yeah, that's it's, cool. It's, it's interesting because the nice thing is that you don't really understand it mm. until you're there, and then it's like, yeah, this is an important thing. Yeah. This is it's a, this is not a glorified position. This is this is some down and dirty stuff that needs to be done right. with the board directors and that's exciting because yeah. it really it helps shape what's going on with WCTV. Right. You know? And the community too. And yeah. you know, I think with most things in life, we won't know what we've lost until it's gone. Exactly. And so let's not hope cable access ever goes away but um you're trying to protect that along with the board of directors and the staff here too it's freedom of speech and all that jazz and we could do another whole show on that (laughs) but here we're talking about we will do another show on that darn it will but here we're talking about writing so i did not know you i know you cook Mm -hmm. yeah i know that you were a professional chef uh, catering chef. Cater- or? Well, my wife and I had a catering company yeah, yeah. for six years, that's so I learned I how to. I learned how to cook. Yeah. I never, never was professionally trained except by people who were professionally trained. So I had our chefs were CIA graduates, Johnson and Wales graduates, and so I learned from them. But C- Culinary Institute of America. America yep. Uh, not the other CIA. Not the other CIA. Okay, the, I was like, ooh, the good I, one. Do I need a clearance for this <laughs> interview? Right. No, okay. They, and the. They're the two highest-rated schools, I think, mm. in the United States: Culinary Institute and Johnson and Wales. You've, there's a couple other great schools, but the quality of the people that we got out of those schools that worked for us in the catering company were just astounding. You know, I have to say, since um, we were chatting a little bit before, and I've known you for a long time, sort of, right? A couple yeah. of years. You're a Renaissance man. <laughs> It's true because you cook, mm-hmm. but you also write, mm-hmm. but you build stuff too. Yeah, I like, so you like I to like stay hobbies. busy. You like I to stay hobbies. busy, which is good. And I think, um, you know, using different parts of your brain for all those things is great because that's how we stay alive and I just, productive, right? I find things that interest me and I just go after them. I love I it. I mean, I love, I, about four years ago, I thought I was, we were out at dinner um, in Scottsdale, Arizona. And um, the waiter was saying, like, "Yeah, I've, uh, I'm a cheesemaker." It's like, "Wow, cool!" And so I, you know, a year later, I bought a cheese making kit, and I love so it. now I make hard cheeses. I've got a cheese press at home, and I've been making Parmesan, Swiss cheddars, manchegos, Montazios, uh, wow. um, all kinds of hard cheeses, and ricotta cheese, and so. It's but you cool. don't write cheesy. 
No. No, I don't. No. <laughs> all right. We're going to find out shortly. <laughs> so when did you start writing along with all the other things you do? When did you, like, w- were you doing it as a kid or did you pick um, it up later in life? And you're newly retired, too. Yeah, well, so, yes and no. I yeah. actually went back to the, the restaurant and I'm going to okay. be working two shifts a week. That's right. We'll let you. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, I mean, I was an English major. Oh, me so, too. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, English literature major at Bridgewater State. Yeah. And what you going to do with that, right? Really? Well, yeah. I, actually, I remember sitting in one of the classes one time, and the teacher was talking about technical writing, and it was in the library, and it was in this old gray room, with gray walls, gray carpeting, and, mm. and he's talking about tech writing, and he's saying, like, and I'm thinking to myself, who are these gray people that write these gray books in these gray rooms? And, and right. two years later, that's what I was doing. You were one. I was. But I don't think you were gray. Well, never, never. Maybe maybe slightly, you know, mauve <laughs> or whatever, right? Um, so when you say technical writing, can you tell us what you mean? Is that yeah, when te- we open up um, our mixer, you are the guy that writes the manual? There's that, yeah. I mean, all those instructions that come with any appliance that you have, um, in my case, I was more, um, I was doing it for um, uh, telecommunications, a mm. telecommunications company. So I was writing the user manual for mm-hmm. uh, for a digital phone system. Wow. And then I went from there to uh, Hewlett Packard and other, mm. um, other companies, finally ended up at Philips. And I was writing um, user guides and system management guides for, um, for uh, hospital equipment. Oh, so wow. I, for, uh, the first one I did for Phillips was for a, um, oh, God. Uh, Not a defibrillator, certainly. N- no, I did do f- defibrillators. Um, well, those I are sh- important. Step oh, yeah. one. Yeah, you don't, don't, right? co- don't cook the patient and don't cook yourself. <laughs> but, you know, you but make ultra, it. You... Uh, the first book I did was an ultrasound manual oh, for wow. system okay. management guide. So, but you make an interesting point because what you have to do when you're technical writing is you kind of have to look at the whole big picture and kind of make it as simple yeah. as possible. So that means edit, 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 oh, and then edit some more. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, tech writing is basically, prob- I think it's if you want to be a creative writer, tech writing is perhaps the best methodology for becoming a very good writer really and there's this i mean i've always looked at it like this two different styles of writing you have hemingway mm. and you have faulkner hemingway wow. said things in 10 to 15 words per sentence that's it right. faulkner could go a page and a half right they're both brilliant they're both right. great writers but if you're writing a technical manual you want to be more hemingway right you want you want to just get the facts right explain them in a concise manner then move on to the next thing. Right. And so that, that to me was the best way that I could learn how to write creatively mm. by writing things that, that um, people could understand. Interesting. One of, the, one of the greatest things that we ever did um, in one of the companies I worked for was you would, you'd write your user manual and then you would have to sit behind as somebody was um, using your directions on oh, how yeah. to program something or how to right. uh, how to fill something out and just watch them and see where they got confused, where mm-hmm. they stopped. And you would say, oh, God, I didn't really explain that well. Wow. I, I messed that up. And so that was a great thing because it really mm. taught you 
yeah, okay, I understood it when I wrote it, right. but I didn't explain it well enough for this person who knew wow. nothing about it to, to do it. Yeah, and how, how to be concise. Yeah, you have yeah. to be. But crea- to be. it's interesting you call that creative, because I don't think of technical writing as creative, really. I think of it as more structural. But you have to be creative to kind of get to the end you've gotta point. Be, you've got to be creative to be able to bring the person who you're trying to explain how to do something, which right. can be as simple as uh, putting a food processor together or to, um, you know, programming a defibrillator sure. or putting a patient monitoring system um, or putting batteries in a flashlight my god you flashlight. know absolutely just as an aside <clears throat> and i don't know if this has happened to you or not have you ever gotten a product and seen a manual that you wrote with in it like have you ever opened up a no no because i've never worked commercially it cool. was all um it was i think all, that would be kind of fun i'm gonna have to like crazy. buy something that yeah. you wrote and like, hey, you know it. and it'd be like hey, hey that's, see, see right where there. it says plug that in that was all me right <laughs> okay i love it so are there any um creative writing rituals that you use you said uh, a little bit about um how you like to write so tell me about um, that. the way i like to write is um i'm a better writer creative writer in the morning and I'm a Mm. better editor in the afternoon so I like to write things let them sit go back a couple hours later and then look at it with a fresh set of eyes and a fresh you know fresh view point Mm. of view and say okay is that good did I do that right? You know, can mm-hmm. I do? I I need to take this out. This doesn't right. work. You know, or this, how can this it be sentence better? the sentence is too long. Uh, why do I have these? Um, why did I go with those prepos- prepositional phrases? I didn't. I didn't need that. Um, why hmm. am I writing it in a passive tense versus an active tense? Why, why am I doing? Why did I do what I did when I did it? Right. And I'm better at looking at it with a um, with a jaundiced eye. I was going to just know? say that. I was you feeling know? that coming out you jaundiced eye, right? Yeah. So you're, would you say you're, you're your own worst critic, do you think? No, I've had some pretty bad critics. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. I've now that you, now that you brought that up, um, um, how do you deal with that? We've never just, actually covered this on the show. You're guest five, but how do you deal with critical reviews and have you, you gotten just, some? I think part of it is the fact that you have to understand Who's doing the review? Mm, yes. What's their point of view? Right. What's in, in it for them? In the corporate world, what's their agenda? Because yeah. that's that's where you have the biggest problems. And do they know what they're talking about? And the major- and many times mm. I found that um, you just develop a thick skin. You have to mm. because if you're getting paid to do something, and you um, if somebody comes back, well, you've got a ten page. Um, product sheet that you're writing a mm. marketing pre-sales marketing piece and the the marketing sales coordinator says oh i don't he just marks it right. up with a red pen and it looks oh, like yes. there's blood yes. there's blood all over the page yes and that that's discouraging to a lot of yeah. people because they look and they say oh my god he hated everything i wrote sure it's, and all you can see when you pick up the page when it's is, returned is to is blood. the horribleness <laughs> and you said you use a green pen i use a green edit. pen and it's just because when i edit green is the co- you know you've got stop and go green is go red is stop i love it and it just when I do it, I've I, what I've found is that when I've reviewed stuff of other people, mm. I hand them back something that's that's marked up in a green pen. Mm-hmm. They accept it more. Well, there's a nice tip right there for you. When you were technical writing, did you have to put your name somewhere on there? For the majority, I mean, tiny of the, tiny print, probably on no. the back, right? Like on the very no, back of the, page fifty of the manual. 
No, on the um, in tech writing and marketing writing, it's very rare that the writer yeah. gets um, their name on, kind the, of the, on it. Yeah, and I, I don't remember ever. Yeah. Until I started writing writing things for myself yeah. to have my name associated yeah. with the it. The reason you, I ask is because that's the good news and the bad news. You don't get the credit, but you also don't have your name out there as making mistakes if that is exactly. what happened. Exactly. But when you do creative writing, you, that's your, different. That's your name. That's your You're baby opening out there. the world up to all that oh, yeah. stuff. Okay. What might you have for suggestions for fellow writers and creators? The... The best thing that I can ever explain about writing is, you know, you want to, it's like, it's like playing golf. Oh. You hold the golf club very lightly in your hand. Mm -hmm. You don't squeeze it. And also it's like, you're, the thing that you're going to write about, you should be able to hold it in your hand. Mm. It's not that big. You're not trying to write world peace. Mm-hmm. You're never going to get that. Right. But you might be able to talk about um, a day where you saw something that that influenced what you were going to do the mm. next day. So it's it's writing writing what you can hold in your hand is yeah. much I think much less difficult than trying to um, Write about a subject that's so large you can't fit into a room. Right, right. And I think, too, golf, I've only played a couple times, but there's a flow there. There is a flow You have there. to there's become a, one with the concept. So you're talking about the not squeezing of the club, but it's also that delivery. You know, I'm posturing a, as I'm sitting here. That whole delivery of the club. You become one kind you, of with all of it, right? Yeah, that's it. It's it's. Thousands and thousands of books have been written about how to how to swing a golf club right. and by people that really know what they're talking about and some people that don't know what they're talking about. But the point is, it's different for every single mm, person. Interesting. You know, I, I mean, I've read probably thirty books on on golf and how to improve yourself playing golf. Wow. And the, there's some methods that people swear by, and mm. others where people look at it and they say, "I can't do that." Wow. I, can't, I mean, there's. Is your golf game any better after all these books? My golf game has gotten better <laughs> since I stopped um, worrying about my golf game as much you as I You know what? Did. That is such a. Uh, we but, should embroider that because that is such a, a, I, a nice I've way to play. I've embraced the idea that I'm not being paid to be out there. I'm paying to go play golf. So until that mm. day when someone's paying me to be out there. I'm really not gonna. I'm really not gonna stress out over true, it. True, true. And I hate to use a cliche from a movie, but I often do. It's Caddyshack. Yeah, Kids of you movie. today listening, uh, look it up, uh, watch it. It's good. Be the ball, Danny. Be the ball, Danny. Be the ball, Be the Danny. Ball. Right. Yep. Okay. And what the other, is the other thing too? Um, what else did Ty Webb say? That's the a character donut, played yeah. by Chevy Chase. That For is. those of you who've never seen it, just, it's really cute. Just remember, cute. Danny, a donut without a hole is a Danish. <laughs> You're so cute. All right. So what are you working on now? Uh, you're going to share something with us in a moment, which I can't wait. But sure. what are you working on um, among your I'm, million things? <laughs> the writing thing that I'm working on right now is um, I started out, I've never written a thriller screenplay. Really? And so, or anything other than comedy. And okay. I've, I just started it um, probably about six months ago. All right. So coming up with an idea for a, uh, a thriller and cool. so I've been working on that. I've got about 30 scenes scened out. Cool. And so this, we're getting to about, we're about two-thirds mm. into the story. You know, I story. know a place you can perform that. Where? WCTV. 
But don't Good tell idea. anyone. Good okay. Idea. Um, so you also, I, I do want to give you a little more accolades. You said you've written many screenplays. This isn't your this first is, one. This, this is, is your first this delve into se- a thriller. This is, my fir- this is my seventh screenplay. Wow. I have six comedy screenplays. I've got one that, the l- latest one that I did was um, I started writing it during the pandemic. Mm. So I was out of work for four months. Sure. Um, and I had this screenplay all seemed out, ready to go, ready to write, but I'd never had time to write it because for the five years that it was sitting on my desk, I was working at bartending five days a week. And right. So I just no time didn't for have that. time. Yeah. So when my job was put on hold, I said, why don't I go back and do that? So cool. I wrote it. The first six weeks of the pandemic, I wrote it. It's, um, it's a comedy. It's basically, it's a mashup between The Manchurian Candidate meets I Love Lucy set on a nuclear submarine. Okay. <laughs> okay. I, I, wow. It's a fun, All right. It's actually it's, a That's fun, a fascinating concept. I'm trying to meld that into my it's, little it's brain here. It's a fun story. It really yeah. is. Um, uh, do, are you thinking about what it might be like to have these performed some days, or do you just I'd, write them for yourself? Oh, no. I, I've actually, this one, I've, um, I've put it out into a dozen screenplay competitions cool. um, in the U.S. and in the U.K., and I've gotten... Um, I've gotten five. I've gotten selected for two of the screenplay contests. I got two semifinalists, and I got mm. a finalist. And with the finalist, I found out from the the director of the competition that I took second place out, hey. of, out of over like two hundred fifty, maybe three hundred screen wow. screenplays were entered in the competition. And this is something we were talking about before we turned on the record button, how there's so much talent right next door to you, everybody. Oh, yeah. You know, you really don't know what your neighbor is good at or no. what people are capable of. And that's kind of part of why we're doing this podcast, because Wilmington does right. They do. And there's a lot of stuff going on. Your neighbors are up burning that midnight oil, <laughs> writing stuff. <laughs> so I think it's amazing that you've done all that. And, and I've known you for a long time, and I didn't even know that. Huh. So I guess you just never know. All right, let's set up what you'll be sharing with us today. Okay, about about 20 years ago, I worked, I've worked in the restaurant industry for many, many years during right. high school, college, you know, and then when we had the catering company. And I, have, I was trained how to do things a certain way. Okay. Somewhere around 20 years ago, the tr- traditional service of waitering changed. Really? It went from doing things a certain way to, you know, almost helter-skelter of mm. picking stuff up without, you know, all, all piecemeal. Are you saying it was streamlined before that? What are you What are you trying to tell me about the industry? There was an art to it. Ah, and I about but twenty years ago. Twenty of... years ago, um, restaurants all decided, "Hey, everybody's going to eat in forty five minutes. Turn that table, okay. make that money, go, 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 okay, go, go." Okay, I get it now. And um, I grew up in a different era where it was like, "No, I take two hours to have dinner." Sure. And I enjoy it. I have a bottle of wine with yeah. my wife and I. And um, yeah, it's an experience, it was, it is. right? Yeah, and I'm I, not. I'm not out to eat. I'm out to have a good time. Right, right. I think of the supper clubs of the of the if, if again those listening who don't know what that is. You know, you would go to a place, you would pay a flat fee, you would have three or four uh, food options, which were amazing, and you would see a show and dress yeah, up nice, and you exactly. would feel pretty good about yourself. And Because I do think, you know, when your palate is stimulated, your senses are stimulated, you're dressed in your new school clothes type yeah, feeling, you, you just, good, it's just different. Good. It's just different, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and I think, I mean, I understand why restaurants have to move product and people faster because... They do need to make money. 
Yeah, but it's but it's, I don't know. It's gone to the detriment of of you know of eating. Of, yeah, of, the experience of, of dining. It's yeah. it's no longer dining. It's eating, and hmm. there's a big difference. That's there. a really good point. And so. We were at a res- we were at a restaurant, a golf resort up in Maine, you know, twenty years ago. We still go there, mm-hmm. um, and we had just finished lunch after playing golf, and uh, we were just the the waiter was just basically trying to take stuff out when mm. you know well, really not in the right way, and I just right. I just got to the point where it's like, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna develop a an ideology on dining and, mm. and I called it we own the table and well, I like it. and basically it was like I'm I've developed means and methods to distract wait staff to keep them from um, trying to force me to eat faster my, my meal in 45 minutes sure. so I, and I've gotten pretty good at it cool. so my my mantra is I'm going to change the way people eat, eat in this world one waiter at a time but okay so <laughs> we have to be careful because we could go on for another year but I do want to ask <laughs> one more question about what you just said but don't you think that that's counterproductive to the financial aspect of restaurant touring if you will well you, you know you, I mean actually, how much are you gonna to have to charge more actually, no, if you no, can't get as many people have, in there you know? are some people that like to dine, mm. some people that just eat for fuel, and some people that just do it fast. It, it right. all balances out. Mm. Interesting. I mean, I have, I have guests that will stay with me for two hours, and we'll have a blast at the bar. And I have other guests that come in, they get something, they're, they're, they're on a schedule, so mm-hmm. that, but they want to get something to eat. They want to eat some good food. So they come in, and they're in and out. So mm. it's Okay, balance, so so yeah, so you out. you pile it all in like a big stock pot, and it kind yeah. of simmers up to the top, I guess. It okay. all works out. But I do know about a little bit about like you know restaurants that use color to make people eat faster, or the mm-hmm. music tempo is faster. But yep. you don't believe in any of that, right? Um, I I I believe. I mean, you know I, it works. Oh yeah, I know the the. The music aspect of it, sure. Gets even to, even the heat, like how hot it is or how mm, cold it is, all that yeah, makes a difference. It does. Um, yeah. Fortunately, in the restaurant that I work in, that's irrelevant. Where the management staff is really really good, and they. The reason that I like working there is I kind of agree with their principles and they yes. agree with my principles. Good, and I like so it. We, um, it. Have you ever thought really about well. opening your own place? God no. <laughs> okay, I barely could even ask the question, and he answered. Uh, All right, run a catering company for six years, yeah, which yeah, is like no. a restaurant on right. on wheels. Yeah, and yeah, I can't you even, learn. You I can't even learn. imagine. No, it's, okay, it's crazy. So you're about to read something to us, but if we want to read more of your work, how can we do that? Um, do you want them to contact me? Yeah, contact you. Okay. I mean, so, so the folks, one thing that I have yep, is, is this little essay that I wrote 20 years ago. Um, mostly the other things that I have are uh, screenplays that I've mm-hmm. written. Um, okay. I don't think anybody wants to read my user manuals or system management guides. Or well, you, kn- you know, you never sheets, know what people really, are going to need, right? don't exist anymore. So. <laughs> and so you're going to read a vintage piece for all. This is a vintage piece. About, all right. Um, so if you want to hear more, if you want to talk to Bob about anything he said, which is a whole plethora of stuff, <laughs> um, you can just... That's a word nobody uses anymore. Yeah, I, I, I use it a word. lot. I love plethora. I use it a lot. Um, you can write to me, Lisa, L-I-S say at wctv.org and um, I will hook you up with Bob and he will help you out and you guys can have a great lunch experience and talk some more but in the meantime tell us what you're going to read and then go ahead 
Well, the title of this um, little essay is called Trust Me. It's Ooh. Not in the Way. And it's about that dining experience 20 years ago I love it. at lunch at um, this golf resort. I love it. All right, here he is, Bob Hamill. We had almost finished our appetizer when I realized I am forever doomed. My plate sat empty before me, and as my wife finished nibbling her last, I gazed out into the darkening evening. I didn't see him coming. I was looking left. He swooped in from my right, from behind my line of sight, deftly removing the, I guess, offensive piece of china before me as he softly whispered mockingly in my ear, let me take that out of the way. But my plate, it wasn't in my way. Although I had finished eating, I was not done. There's a big difference. I actually enjoy looking at an empty plate before me. It's a symbol of what I've accomplished. Yep, I did justice there. Loved every minute of it. And now that symbol of my pride was perhaps already nestled in a dish rack awaiting a 220-degree bath. So my wife sat there. Now, although two of us sat at the table, she was, in effect, eating alone. Her eyes, her eyes looked at me as if to say, What the heck? I hate it when they do that to me. The wait staff, I mean, not my wife's eyes. I really do. When I was taught to be a waiter eons ago when dinosaurs roamed the earth, there were several rules that were ingrained in my memory and method. Carry the tray on your fingertips. Better balance that way. Serve from the left. Remove plates from the right. French service. And above all, do not clear a table until all members of the table have finished eating the course before them. That, my friends, was the holy grail of waitering. Let's let that one sink in for a minute. Leave the dishes on the table until everyone is finished. You got it? So maybe that means the kids who gobble their appetizers quickly have to wait until Aunt Tilly finishes her fruit salad or oysters on the half show while she drones on and on about that fabulous trip to Madagascar and the cute stable boy named Fernando. So be it. That was part of dining. You learned patience and to slow down. That was a good thing. Aided the di digestion, or so I've been told. When did the first law of catering of waitering get tossed to the wayside like an apple core? How did I miss it? How did we go from the art of waitering, and it is an art, to the commando-style tableside service? Kyle! There's an empty on T-14! Do your duty, son! This is what you've trained for! This is not a drill! Go, 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 go! I'm also reminded of the ball boys and girls that are around a tennis court. Empty plate, run, grab, roll on the clay, and reset. When did we lose the art of dining? When did Waitering 101 lose the five or so commandments? Anyone? I'm still waiting for an answer. I think the last meal that my wife and I have eaten without having to play plate vigilante was on our honeymoon many decades past. We were dining at the Swan Court of the Hyatt Hotel on Maui. I think the black swan that swam table side was the arbiter of when to clear a table. Not until the black swan passed and he or, or she judged a course complete would the wait staff clear. I miss that. I really do. 
I missed that, too. <laughs> I love that. Thank you. That was so good. Uh, a couple of things that you said, plate vigilante. Mm-hmm. Oh, my Lord. I think we've all been through that. You know, um, I, I think we, we as consumers have almost forgotten that the wait staff is there to serve us. Yeah. I sometimes feel like I'm going to offend them. Yeah. Like, well, I never send anything back for, oh no, for no. many, many reasons. But, um, yeah, I, I feel like I'm beholding to them when it's probably it's the, the other way, way around. around. Yeah. yeah. We own wow. the table. Fascinating. Fascinating. We, as the it. customers, own the table. You do not have to follow the script. I love that. You can do you know, do it on your own. Do it and do what it. What a great piece of writing. That you Great enjoy. piece of writing. Thank you. And so you wrote that 20 years ago. Yeah. Unfortunately, it still it's holds still true now. Yes. <laughs> and, and I think even more so today. It is. So who knew, right? It is. So that's your little war and peace right there. Right there. War and peas, yeah, we'll <laughs> say. <laughs> thank yes. you. All right. Thank you, Bob, so much for being with us and for Lisa, sharing. It's a pleasure. That, that was so fun. I enjoyed we, that. We and can, it's good to get to know. We can come back and talk about other subjects. Yeah. Good to get to know more about you. So thank you so much for being with us today for Wilmington Rights. Thank you for joining us for Wilmington Writes. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you'd like to be a guest on this podcast or know a Wilmington resident who should be, shoot us an email at lisa at wctv.org. That's L-I-S-A at wctv.org. And we'll reserve your spot in the guest writer's chair. Until next time, keep writing, keep reading, and keep listening.